Hey, this is Triple M's homegrown right around the country, 52 stations and on the brand new listener app. It is an absolute pleasure to be joined by a man, part of a band doing incredible things for the best of 10 years now. It's no surprise. It's catchy songs, clever melodies, incredible production, and it happened from the get-go. Tracks like Delete, and of course, you know it. Feels like 37, and they just kept coming. Lay down, you know this too. Incredible music, having fun too, like a harmonica battle with these New South Wales. And they're back with a brand new album. Dropping it in March. I welcome uh, Johnny Took from the DMAs. Triple M's homegrown, man. It's so good to have you here. How are you? Good, man. How are you? I'm good, man. It's good uh, to be back. We're hearing that kind of, uh, we are talking before, that montage of songs, 10 years. Does, does it feel like it's gone quickly or does it kind of feel, I don't know, man, does it feel like a lifetime ago? It's funny because uh, we were talking about the other day how we're excited for the 10-year anniversary of Hill's End. Yeah. Um, but that's still four years away because yeah. that came out 2016, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, not four years, three years away, yeah. you know? So, um, but, you know, that will be great too when that happens. But um, it's funny as well because... You know, the sound has changed. Even in that montage, you can probably hear sonically it's changed. Yeah. Um, we can we still do the rock and roll raw stuff. We still record a lot of our own stuff. Yeah. Um, and we've kind of found this hybrid now um, where we can still work with some of the best producers in the world. But um, but yeah, but but we still have a lot of control in what we do and what we yeah. say and yeah. and uh, and how we want to sound because we don't want to just keep releasing you know the same uh, like set the sound of our, our first first EP that was yeah. recorded in that Buckland 37 you know yeah. and we don't and we don't want to ever make the same album twice so I'm yeah. I'm enjoying the growth so even though yeah. it, we've we've been in the you know we've played all the big festivals in Australia and and overseas in the UK and stuff like that but we're still very driven and we're still yeah. you know inspired to to experiment and try new stuff yeah I can tell that and just through how much you guys are gig as well like that's so important yes it's non-stop and the live show has evolved big time yeah absolutely and it's it's weird because I'm looking at your tour schedule and you know after having such a big break from music was it did it take a while to get back into the swing of things you know because touring can be quite hectic yes. going from town to town we're just like oh man I'm kind of used to going to bed at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night you know yeah well it's it's a funny one because yeah. there was a it was a part of me that when you know I guess essentially the world kind of stopped for yeah. two years yeah. and you know I made a decision and, and we did as a band it's like well what are we going to do here you know we had to be creative and think of think of other ways to stay on top of stuff and yeah. uh, a big thing that we did is um, Mason and I in particular we really started working on our production skills yeah. and did a lot of writing mm. um, uh, which was which has been a, a you know it's um, I guess it's, it's it's lots of these changes that you hear on this new album was us experimenting over that break you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and when you're touring non-stop it's like when do you get the chance to write so for us yeah. you know, three albums deep yeah 
it really gave us the time to kind of sit back go oh, hang on what kind of band do we want to be what kind of stuff do you want right let's work on some other skills that you know that you don't get to work on when you're on the road yeah. uh 24 7 and um and it was great and then there was other little quirky st- things that came out from like we did 17 shows at the factory theater acoustic yeah. which was cool and yeah. did a, and did three at in the tivoli at the tivoli um yeah. when and we were i think we were the first band to actually do live music one of the first um when COVID happened yeah um and the reason why we did 17 shows is because i think all up it was like an enmore yeah. theater yeah but um but obviously they were restricted and of they course. were seated and yeah. and um you know everyone was wearing masks yeah, and yeah, yeah. all that kind of stuff so yeah how's it feel to kind of be back playing uh like in australia as well and you're playing huge shows like margaret court arena like you're playing the biggest australian shows you played as well how weird is it going from zero to kind of 100 in that res- in that respect too? yeah like yeah, yeah huge shows no it's um it's incredible we um we love our Australian fans yeah. um, and we feel like it's still really growing over here Big time. Um, and Big we just time. every time we play a festival it's crazy and crazier and yeah. and um, and we're enjoying um, you know I like I like that DMA started in this I say this I kind of feel like this when I speak to a lot of young artists um, so I'm getting into production myself and starting to produce other people and yeah yeah that's cool man I kind of say say to them like, like I feel like you can't, well, there's no rules right with music there's no rules but this I think there is something to be said of like kind of starting in more in a more humble space sonically yeah. you know there's a lot of people these yeah. days because it's so easy on your laptop to make some stuff sound big and pop mm. and highly produced and all yeah. that kind of stuff but then i feel like if you start there if you start like right at the end there then it's like there's no place to grow and there's yeah. no place for your fans to grow with you yeah. and like i said there's no right or wrong answer with stuff you know you can come out and everyone should just be doing what feels comfortable for them and what what they want to do but um one thing I think about thinking back on my career and um, sometimes when I work with other artists is maybe not, you know, maybe just leaving a little bit of room, headroom, you know, to, to grow and, and, for, and for your fans to grow with you. Yeah. Because it is so easy now, isn't it, to just give it the bells and whistles from day From dot. the get-go, yeah. And there's so many amazing producers out there because, you know, back in the 90s and whatnot, uh, to make something sound big, yeah. you needed a lot of money and you need yeah. basically a record label to back you and to go into a studio with a... Yeah. With a with a um you know a producer who'd, who's been around for you know done the done their five years working as an assistant and all this stuff these days you know a seventeen year old kid can jump on his laptop and make the biggest sounding song in the world yeah so you you're getting more into production now and uh, you're working with well one of the best producers on the planet at the moment Con who's done stuff Tones and I that like the list goes on what's it like for you not only as a band working with him but you know doing production stuff as well it must be kind of cool well yeah I've known Con for a while I was a big fan of his um, band The Belligerents Belligerents of course yeah, yeah. they were an awesome band um, Louis from Confidence Man was, um, was in that as well yeah um, and um, and yeah he's um, we did a songwriting session last year and which we haven't released that song but I think it is that could be on the next record anyway sick um, but yeah and so what what happened with this record is we went to the UK and we were working with Stuart Price and Rich Costi who are two Grammy award winning amazing producers and mixers yeah sick um, um, and uh, we had we had a great three weeks there, but it was kind of weird because we were on the back of um, a big tour. Omnicrom had just hit. Mm. Um, we're in the UK in winter in the in November. It was yeah. freezing. Yeah. Um, and um, and we got a lot of stuff done, but we kind of came back and we were like, this album isn't finished. You know, it kind of sounded more like, even though it was really well recorded, it kind of sounded more like uh, like a cleaner version of how we were at the start. Gotcha. And that wasn't the kind of band we 
we that's not the kind of album we wanted to make. Yeah. So we came back and Omnicron was happening and we took a month off and we had the breather and basically we decided that, you know, we there's more work to be done. Yeah. So we called Con up Sick. and um and I kind of uh I'd like to use the term Screamadelicified, <laughs> which is uh if people don't know, um Primal Scream made an album called Screamadelica and yeah. they kind of did this same thing where they went in, they recorded an album like a band in the room, a rock band, and then Andy Weatherall, the famous British dance um, DJ, mm. um, he got the stems and he kind of remixed it and he made the album Screamadelica. So yeah. it's this kind of weird blend between, you know, acoustics and, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but then like, uh, you know, bongos and dance beats and all this kind of stuff. And yeah. so basically the way we were thinking of the record is um, we kind of were doing that. You know, I, It's I fine that. to chop things up. It's cool to, yeah. you know, we redid vocals. And then also we had time to sit on lyrics and go, ah, those lyrics aren't good anymore. Let's rewrite that, you know? Yeah. And we had, had time to really sit on it and think of it and, and really make an album, you know? It's, yeah. it's um And it's a different process to how we made Hills End, which was two weeks in, in the little uh, studio, beach studio in Coogee. I feel like um you're so right. Like, it, it really does help the whole process to have a break from it completely. And sometimes the guys, just like, to go away separately, to have a think about it and to come back with fresh ears. Like, that process is so important, right? Because mm. it's so easy to rush these things. That's right. And, you know, there's always... Um, you've people have you've got deadlines you know the um vinyl is hard to print these days all that kind of stuff and mm. and um you know you get you've had a bit of momentum from the previous album so yeah. you want to get it out but the truth is is there's no point in releasing a record you're not happy with totally and um because if you put that much love and time into the songs people are going to hear it in the back end you know and i think it's worth the wait absolutely so the album's out in march when yes when's march the 1st i believe hey we got johnny here from dma's and dude i want to play a game with you game's called Memory Lane and what I've done is I've gone through your gig history and I've plucked random ones out to see what you remember about it. It might not be like the actual gig. It might be, you know, getting in the hotel, like going to and from and we'll just see what you remember from these shows, all right? So I want to go back to, I need your help on this one because I think the story about your first ever gig, can you tell us about... 2014, DMAs are onto the scene. Delete's massive. Your first ever gear at a bike store. Can you, can you tell us a bit about that? Well, it's funny. So there's there was two... DMAs kind of had two first ever gigs. I love this. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And so the first one was basically because uh, we'd released Delete yeah. and it was getting a lot of love on Triple J. It was It was getting a lot of love on radio. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and, you know, we're this new band. No one had really heard of us. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. who are these guys, um, you know, from the inner west. Mm. Um, anyway, so we we, did, we needed a hit out. So our, our manager booked us as a band called The Coachman <laughs> yeah, nice. um, as a secret gig at the Bondi Beach Road Hotel. Love it. Um, but uh, as these things uh, end up rolling out, all the industry people heard about it. All it takes is one. That's right. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, then so, and so I, that was pretty much packed. I think, I can't remember the capacity of that room. Oh, I think it's uh, a few hundred. Yeah, five or six. Maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Christ, so been that was that. the first one, and then, um, and then, the, but the actual official DMA's first gig was um, there's a motorbike store um, <laughs> in uh, on uh, Parramatta Road in Annandale called Deus Ex Machina, yes, I believe. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we cleaned that out, and um, and yeah, and we did our first ever show there, and it was a free gig. I yeah, think we had to it. turn away 200 people, yeah, something like that. But um, yeah, there's some pretty funny. Um, pretty funny videos and uh and uh and photos from that show i was gonna say 
what was it like uh, performing? Like, how were the nerves? Obviously, you're all pros because you've all done it before, but like a bit of pressure behind those gigs as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A bit of pressure. Oh, just because it was like for, for I think the Deus show, there was like 450 people there. Um, you know, people crowd surfing and stuff in our first, <laughs> yeah. first ever show. And See. and everything was just so new and awesome. it was so exciting. And, uh, you know, there's no, there's you can never, how do I say this? Basically, like one of the most exciting things to do is to start a new band yeah. because it's like the potential, the ball of potential, especially when when you're, um, you know, we're, how old were we? Tw- 23, yeah, yeah, yeah. 24 years old, um, you know, fearless. Absolutely, man. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, Delete's taken off. You played your first show. And then uh, New Year's that year, you did Falls Festival. We had Black Lips, Empire of the Sun, your friends as well. What do you remember about this festival? I don't think I remember much about this festival. Was yeah. this the first the first yeah. falls? First falls that you guys played. Um oh, it was in a tent. Yeah, sick. It was in the in one of the smaller tents. I think we probably played around midday. Yeah, of course. Um and yeah, and we were just, you know, finding our feet. I, I seem to remember the tent being pretty full. Yeah. Pretty excited about that. Yeah. Done a few of them now. <laughs> we had a few listeners who were actually there and they bloody loved it. Well, what about next year, 2015, Governor's Ball? In New York, Black Keys, Kendrick Lamar, also Tame Impala. That's right. That Any was our first, that yeah, our first trip to um, America. Tell us about that. Uh, well, you know, once again, you know, you, you just you're, you're 24 years old and <laughs> you're yeah. fearless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, we were just having a great time. You know, uh, we played a lot of festivals that run. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I think there's a story about. Um, like it came out wrong, I think, in in the media. But there was a story of um of us trying to break into Noel Gallagher's dressing room. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. the truth of the story was, it was our drummer who was a big fan of the drummer in the High Flying Birds, and oh, he right. wanted to say hi yeah, to yeah. the drummer. Um, but it obviously didn't look that way. <laughs> and you, you and Noel, you become friends as well. You guys have met? No, we've never met. We've never Not met. Noel? No, no, no. I've um I've got to know Liam pretty well over the years, which yeah, is yeah, great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, never never got to meet Noel. Uh, let's touch on Liam a bit later but then you did a national tour 2016 with these guys I love these guys Green Buzzard love Green Buzzard yeah so good Paddy Harrismith one of my um, he's one of my groomsmen at my wedding oh there you go yeah what was that tour like you guys are playing big venues uh, like Corner Hotel the Metro Rosemount in Perth yes really starting to build up what was that like man kind of taking on the road that was cool you know just um, going on the road with um, I think we yeah with with, like some of our best mates our old friends Paddy from Green Buzzard actually um, features on our first album a lot Um, he wrote the riff for Lay Down and the riff for In The Moment oh no way yeah which is cool yeah Um, and yeah yeah, and and you know we're just a whole bunch of you know mates from similar area yeah. Sydney, and we're going out and we're playing rock and roll music. Yeah. I remember actually I was listening to Springsteen uh, racing in the street at the time, Sick. and um, at the Rosemount Hotel I started playing the chords to that. Yeah, and um, randomly Tommy started singing the verses um, to Time and Money, no which way. is off our um, second album, and so that's where that. Um, and I remember I voice memoed it, and that's how that song kind of started. 
did as well. That's crazy, man. I remember Jack Wright wrote the riff to Seven Nation Army at the Corner Hotel in Melbourne. Whoa. How many of those kind of moments do you have where you're just like, you're somewhere just like, man, this is really good. I'm going to get this down and it turned into a song later on. Yeah, we've got a few of them. That's how our cover of Shares Believe happened. I think we were in Berlin or something and yeah. uh, Mason kind of started playing it uh, as, as a bit of a joke and then Tommy yeah. started singing and we're like, wow, that sounds really, really good. We should do something with that. And of course you've heard it. <laughs> it goes off live, doesn't it? It does go, yeah. It's been a, um, we actually didn't play it for a few years yeah. after we released it. We were um, that kind of, uh, I guess how you sometimes, uh, when when you're a bit younger, you're like, that's not our song. Yeah, it was <laughs> sweet, but we're not going to play it. And we're a little bit staunch about that. But now we, um, but, but we like to play it um, in the special moments. We don't yeah. play it all the time. Yeah. But every now and again, um, you know, and we'll whip it out. And, and, you know, it goes so well live, particularly at Australian festivals. Yeah, so totally. Good. I remember, I think it was around that time where I feel like Triple J's Like A Version was really starting to go global. Like it had been a big Australian thing for a while. And then when you guys did it, the comments, I just remember from day dot it was it was just it exploded everywhere yeah it's really funny with something like that because i don't think it was as big as it as it is now when we did it but it was like yeah it was pretty big but like yeah. you know i remember i was playing the wrong chords the morning <laughs> of you know yeah, yeah, i got yeah. stuck in this pub um not <laughs> stuck in the pub i lived above a pub with mason and we had yeah. a, a clicker to get out of the pub car park yeah the clicker wasn't working and i had the car <laughs> loaded up at like at like 6 a.m to go do it <laughs> yeah of course and we couldn't get so we had to park the car again and then throw the guitars over the you know we're living above this pub in botany yeah um and then we went to rehearse it at tommy's house and um i was playing the wrong chords because we only <laughs> played it once and we're like oh this is gonna be a disaster <laughs> yeah. and then the thing is with something like that when you do it that has that much exposure and um and you do it live you know and it goes on the internet it's it's kind of like it's at the will of of yeah. the internet and and just you know it's like yeah. it's out of your control you've just yeah. gone in there you've done it and um it's just really funny when you see something kind of have yeah. that traction do you find it's like that with gigs as well it's like you know the gigs you rehearse for the most aren't as good as the ones where you're jet lagged and you're tired and you're there 10 minutes before you go on like they're somehow the best ones yes i do i know i do know that feeling yeah. um sometimes it's kind of like if you've over rehearsed for a show you're not as like on your toes i think so too. you're like a little bit too relaxed yeah and there's like there's something about kind of uh you know having to work for it a little bit more because yeah. you do go it's a funny one because you do go into autopilot a little bit mm. um like muscle memory yeah. sometimes i forget a chord on stage and my hand just goes there <laughs> yeah, yeah you yeah. know and it's an um which is good but i think it's also like it's important to um stay really present in the moment yeah definitely. in those kind of shows yeah uh how good is that beer like five seconds before you go on just like all right, this will get us. This, this will help the show. <laughs> well, yeah, I took a year of drinking and we played Ali Pally in front of 10,000 people. And I tell you what, I would not recommend doing that. Well, actually, no. <laughs> you know, I think it's good if you don't drink um, and that's for you. But I was taking a year off and that was a, that was a harder one to do sober because you kind of overthink things. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was going to go to that gig, but uh, oh, let's, let's talk. No, no, let, let, no let's, jump, let's jump to it. I mean, 2000, you know, 2021, Alexandra Palace, for people who are just listening now, sold out 10,400 people. Phenomenal. Insane. Like, what, what's your kind of pre-gig process for something like that? Um, was that, were you just rolling up on the day or because it was a big one, you are a bit earlier? Um, 
Uh, we had a bit of press that day, oh, cool. um, but I remember I came in late. I can't remember what I was doing, but for some reason I came in with our um, one of our managers, Glenn. We came in late. And I was like, "What are all these trucks for?" And they're like, "They're for you, mate." And I was like, <laughs> "I never understood." Like you know, like I know Beck would play, and I was like, "Why does he need four, <laughs> you know, eight tonners or whatever they are?" Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? And um, and it's because you know when you start playing a gig of that size, they build they build the stage, they bring in the people. They build it. They, you know, they bring in all the lights, and it takes a lot of people to um, to put on a show like that. Yeah. Um, and um, and yeah, and uh, I remember we went up to the roof of Ali Pally, and we took a photo there, and yes, yes. Um, we got given the tour around, and and it's crazy playing a show like that. Because mm. okay, so yeah, we've we've played festivals with you know between twenty and fifty thousand people there. Um, but when you play a festival, it's not your own show, you know, which is the reason why you're doing it. It's um, um, you know, you're going to win some fans. Um, you, it's a, it's about the, the collection of bands on the day and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, over 10,000 people in one venue just singing your songs and everyone knows. Like, it, it's not like they just know a couple of the singles. It's like yeah. they know the B-sides. They know, the, yeah, yeah, they yeah. know the, the, the random little album tracks that you've decided to throw on. Yeah, it's and, a good set um, list, That's yeah. the really oh, – have you got the set list? I don't even yeah. remember what we played. So you started with Never Before. Oh, yep, yep, And the yep, glow. Yeah. Dawning. Very cool. In the moment. Yeah. Silver. Yeah. Life is a game of changing. Classic. Criminals. Yep. Emily. We yep. are midnight. Tape deck sick. Very cool. In the air. Hello, girlfriend. Delete. Junk truck. Yeah. Head fuck. That's right. Play it out. And then uh, the encore appointment lay down. It feels like 37. What a wow. Plan, wow. I tell you what, um, I reckon the... Um, I've realized now the only reason you really chuck in an encore is because when your set gets that long, you got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's, especially if you've had a few beers before, it's pretty hard to go through an hour and a half yeah. with the nerves kicking, yeah. kicking around and um, and not be able to go to the bathroom. And I imagine like an encore <laughs> chant at a show like that would almost be like apocalyptic, like the, <laughs> like the ground would be shaking. Oh, man, know? it was special. I'll never forget that show. Actually, that's a good thing about not drinking. I, I really remember it vividly. Yeah. Is that, was that like a real kind of man this is a really we've worked our ass off for like eight years this is this is what the hard work's been for like you said you know you're doing so many festivals back to back in the car on the plane that was a real kind of man this is this is our moment like we've fucking earned this yes yes it's um it's funny and and it's worked out timing wise it's worked out well because um we just did a support tour with kasabian and it went to a bit of like old school touring um you know in the splitter vans the 10 hour drives yeah the the four hour drives into a gig, into a quick loadout, into another two-hour drive because drive, yeah. you've got to make it you know, to the next place in the yeah. morning. And um, it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely a lot easier when, you, when you're <laughs> even a little bit younger, yeah. you know. Not that I'm not old now, I'm, no. you know, I'm 33, but yeah. Man, you're reading my mind for those, Kasabian. What a man, band. Man, are they one of the best live bands you've ever seen? You've seen a few, but man, yeah. I, they seem they bring it, right? Yeah, they are such a great live band. And they're not working with the lead singer anymore. Oh, man. Um, so, and, but Surge has stepped up and they sound great. They, yeah. you know, they, and, and they would, and they were just really lovely guys. And yeah, the live show was still so good. Um, there's some great songs on their new album. Yeah. And yeah, and just running around and like around Europe with those guys was a real pleasure. Yeah. All right. I want to take you to a weird gig because this is kind of where everything stopped. The 2020 Grand Final. 
Other bands included like Wolfmother. Uh, we had a few more acts. And uh, I wanted to know what it was like playing on grand final day. This is uh, Ian Kenny from Birds of Tokyo. Just talking about the process, like on the actual day. All right, we're on in 30 seconds. There's no stairs connected to the stage yet. So we're like, now we're 20 seconds. This staircase comes flying out, clips into the stage. They go, 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 go. And they're yelling. And we literally got up there and we heard like four counts come in. Dude. And we were on. What was that process like? Uh, for us? Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, it was... Was uh, pissing down with rain yeah. um, on, for for our one. So we were we, when we did the rehearsal, we were meant to be in the middle of the field, right? Yeah, right. And then it then it was raining, so they weren't going to um, put the stage on um, in the middle. So then they had to change that last minute. And then yeah, and then it's just really bizarre because it was also because it was during COVID, so we had to go to Canberra for two weeks um, and isolate ah, before we went up. Yeah. So you did two weeks of isolation. Before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've never been to Canberra. For two weeks, it was great. I had a great time. Yeah. Um. Uh. Actually, wrote some good songs in there because we we were like, oh, we're gonna be in the hotel for two weeks. Yeah. Might as well take my recording gear and yeah, see. Um. You know, actually, we wrote our new song Olympia. Um. Not 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 wrote it down there, but we yeah. I remember demoing it down there Sick, with Mason. Man. Yeah. It it seemed like it's just a strange gig, right? You get get the call, just like yeah, there was so much you had to do around it just to get there. Yeah. Yeah. It was um. It was a crazy one, and then um. Yeah, and went up there, and then it's like two weeks of isolation. And then you're done in six minutes. <laughs> like the shortest gig you've ever played. Would that have been like the first time you saw all the gang, like properly too? Because everywhere's everyone's living in different spots. No, we all went to Canberra. Okay, so cool. We'll but before out. that? Oh, before yeah, that? Yeah, like before um, you were all kind of there? Oh, um, yeah. I think it would have been. Yeah, I think it would have been. I hadn't seen them for a while. Yeah. Yeah. All right, one last gig I've got to ask you about. Supporting this man, Liam Gallagher, Finsbury Park. <laughs> Talk to me about that, man. Oh, it's a cracker. I think that's one of the. I think that one was like fifty thousand yeah, people. Yeah. Um. I remember also Richard Ascroft played acoustic as well that no show. Um. And yeah. And you know, just stoked to be on that bill. Yeah. You know, it was a it was a brilliant gig, and you know, Liam Gallagher, what a guy, man. It's like he's he's legit that guy. Like yeah. he loves music, you know, yeah. what I mean? and he loves new bands, and he loves rock and roll, and um. You know, I don't have a bad word to say about him. He's really honest. He's he's not like you know. There's I, there's never like he's he's got like an arrogance, be, like because he's you know he's Liam Gallagher. He's like fronted the one of the greatest rock bands of all time. Mm. But he's never cruel. No. You know what I mean? He's just he's just like to the point and and brutally honest. Yeah. And I reckon that's what you want in in friends and people. You know, someone who's going to be honest with you. Yeah. And like you know, straight to the point. It's good. Here he is, Liam Gallagher. He's done a new band. Or it might be old band out here, but like they've played in. England, so we've had a couple of beers with them out there. What's it like kind of meeting someone like that that you idolise and you grow up with? Then all of a sudden you're just kicking it, having a beer, and they take you under their wing, you're playing shows with them overseas? Yeah, it's um, it's a, uh, you know, I've, we've hang out, hung out quite a few times now, and yeah. um, obviously the first time when we, when we were a little bit younger, um, it was crazy, but then but then you also realise after a few, um, you know, proper conversations um, that these are just, that you know, people who have achieved a certain level, yeah. um, they 
they're, they're just normal people who really love their craft. Yeah. You know, and when then it doesn't really doesn't take long before you get to a point in the conversation where you're just two musicians talking about why you love feedback and rock yeah, and roll yeah, and, yeah. Th- and that kind of stuff. And, um, and I think that's, um, you know, I think that was the point, uh, that I really appreciated with, um, hanging out with Liam and, yeah, uh, you know, um, yeah, I think, I think, I think that's, and then when you start laughing and talking about just dumb, stupid, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, uh, kind of arbitrary things, you know, yeah. and then that, I think that's, that's the, that's the cool part. What's it like kind of being out with him? Cause he's one of the most recognizable musicians as well. It was just like people coming up to him all the time or, uh, no, not really. Cool. Um, everyone was kind of pretty chill, but like there was a few kind of weird moments with someone trying you'd like to think they're doing a sneaky photo or something oh, like yeah. that. But I reckon most people are probably too scared to come up to him anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Johnny Took, thank you so much for joining us, man. Talking about gigs, the album coming up. Everything's exciting. I've got one more game to uh, play. On Triple M's Homegrown with Matteo, it's time for... Uh-oh. It's right party or dinner. Now, this is called right party or dinner. Now, I've gone through some of your influences growing up. So you can either write a song with them in a room, you can party oh. with them, go out, or you take them home to dinner with the family. Oh, wow. Okay, so three acts that I'm pretty sure, like doing a bit of research on you, were pretty influential growing up. So we got... Here comes the story of Eric Mr. Bob Dylan. Yes. Second act we got... <laughs> Bruce Springsteen. And the third act... Yes. So we're writing a song, we're partying, or we're going home to dinner with Joni Mitchell, Bruce Springsteen, or Bob Dylan in any particular order. All right. Um, I'd probably, I would. Yeah. I'd probably have to bring Springsteen to dinner. Yeah. Okay. I think I like that that'd be a good chat. The family get around him. Yeah. Like, he just seems like such a good guy. He'd bring a nice bottle of wine to it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I'd probably party with Dylan. I like that. I like. Um, that. Just because he'd have some good stories and yeah, I don't know he seems like a bit of a psycho. So you'd, <laughs> you'd probably have to be a little bit loaded to, to get on his level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I'd love to write um, write the song with Joni Mitchell because yeah, she's you know that um, song uh, Coyote yeah. uh, was one of the songs that got me into songwriting. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I also love writing uh, music like I do with my partner who uh, with female voices because yeah. it's a, they're in a register that I can't sing in. And yeah. actually, Tommy's voice is in the register. I can't sing it either. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I love writing songs with people whose voices are completely different to yours. Yes. Yeah, um, it's always fun. Awesome. Johnny Took, thank you so much. An absolute pleasure. Can't wait for new music, man. Touring and have the best wedding day. And uh, you've got to film some of that band happening, man. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, yeah. We're going to document it all. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, man. Cheers. Easy, man. Cheers, man.